Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Kara, thank you so much for being our guest today. It is your turn to be vulnerable with our listeners on a topic that's really hot. Unfortunately, it wasn't hot when we were younger, and so it didn't get a lot of attention. But now it does because it leads to terrible things in our youth, and it really leads to terrible things in our adulthood, and we don't even recognize it. But we're going to be talking about bullying today. You and I have both been on both sides of bullying, and I'm super grateful that you're willing to get vulnerable with us and share your story with our listeners. And in preparation for this, I looked up the definition of bully or bullying, and bullying means to seek to harm, to intimidate or coerce someone who is perceived as being vulnerable. And that sounds really terrible. It does sound terrible. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts with Brene Brown lately. And vulnerable is supposed to be a courageous thing and a a way for you to connect with other people and, you know, show them who you truly are. But bullying is like, is taking that and spinning it and taking advantage of it, which is just, I don't know. It's fascinating because I've been on both sides. And it's, it's just, it's really interesting. Oh, but let me remind our listeners of why we do what we do with my, our little quote. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. I love that. Love that. That's what we're doing today. We're talking, we're getting vulnerable ourselves and talking about, talking about bullying. Yeah. So Carrie, you, I know your story. Our listeners don't, but I know your story. I'd love for you to just start with, uh, you know, when you were a child and you were being bullied and what it looked like, what it felt like and how you dealt with it. So I, um, I can think of two instances off the top of my head early on. So grammar school, one of them was, uh, a boy in my class who liked me and I didn't want to be his quote unquote girlfriend. So we're what, sixth grade. (laughs) His name was Lewis. I'm not going to use any last names. His name was Lewis, but I didn't like him back. And so he decided he was going to torment me. And what that meant was we were on the same bus also in school, to and from school. So he'd spit in my hair on the bus. (laughs) Oh my goodness. When we were at recess, remember those those big red like dodgeballs or kickballs that that you had on the school playground. Oh yeah. 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 I remember those. Yeah. So he used to grab one of those and he would find me on the playground and he'd just throw it at me and hit me with it. Oh my goodness, Kara. Yeah. So this 
would happen periodically. And I don't, I don't remember how long it lasted. Like, was it sixth grade? Was it fifth grade? This particular school was, I went from fifth grade to eighth grade. So it's somewhere along those lines. I don't think it happened in seventh and eighth grade, but earlier on, you know, I wasn't a tattletale. So I never ran and told anybody, any of the kids noticed no one was sticking up for me for fear of getting retaliated against. And it just, it just, didn't make sense to me. Like, here's this kid who presumably likes me. He says he likes me. And because I don't like him, now he's going to be really mean to me and torment me. And hurt you. And, yeah. and hurt you. Um, how do you hurt the ones you like? Physically hurt me. Yeah. And emotionally, probably more than he realized. And I'm sure that wasn't the goal of his to, you know, hurt you. He, he liked you. Maybe he didn't know how to express it. But I think sometimes that's what happens. We don't know how to express our emotions. And so like anger or frustration comes out in a way that it's not productive. It's not helpful, especially when you're a kid. I guess he was hurt because he was feeling rejected and you know how misery loves company. So why not hurt her too? Yeah. Good point. I mean, we should also mention that neither one of us is a clinician or, or a psychologist. So anything we're talking about is what we've gone through and there were making assumptions on how, you know, someone else might've felt and why they did what they, we did or, or how we internalized what they did. Right. I mean, back then, I don't think I really thought much about why he did what he was doing. It was confusing to me. And I felt so alone because nobody was helping me. Now, again, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to be that tattletale. It was a relief to me when recess was indoors because then I didn't have to worry about going outside. And for some reason, it didn't seem to happen in the, you know, indoors in the gym, if it was raining outside and stuff. I don't know why. Maybe we were more closely monitored or it was harder to get away with something like that. But did you ever say anything to Lewis? Like, what was your interaction with Lewis when he would spit in your hair or hit you with the kickball or the dodgeball? I didn't have much interaction when he was hitting me with the ball because he would just, it was like a hit and run type of thing. And then he'd come back around and I was constantly, so you can imagine I'm constantly keeping an eye out for someone who's going to like ping me with a ball. Right. Right. So you're constantly on defense. Yeah. And when he spit in my hair, I don't even remember what I said to him. I'm sure I just like gave him a look like what the hell you're doing. But I don't, I don't remember really the interaction. I remember putting my hand on the back of my head and feeling like all like this gob of wetness. That's really disgusting, but totally disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I felt kind of helpless. What am I going to do? Exactly. So you might not remember what you said or how you reacted, but I'm going to, I'm going to imagine that here you are, how many years later, 40 years later, something years later, you're going to remember how you felt. Can you tell us how you felt other than confused? Alone, really, because I had, I didn't have anybody sticking up for me. So I felt alone and kind of, um, I guess, I don't know if confusion is the right word, but it was, I didn't know how to stop it. Like, am I supposed to now act like I like this person and, and that would get it to stop, which I didn't do, but you know, how do I get help from this? It was, I'm trying to remember Patty. You're talking about it now. So it made a huge impression on you. Oh yeah. So the feelings that you carried with you around this, I would imagine, and you can tell me it might've been sadness, uh, rejection, which is a confusion. You say you like me and now you're kind of rejecting me in a way. 
I don't know, betrayal from somebody who supposedly liked you. I don't know, but those are the, those are the kinds of emotions that are coming to, to mind for me. But I'm wondering if you have any that stand out. Sadness, definitely. I frustration too. Mm, frustration. Like, cause I, I didn't, I didn't know what my recourse would have been. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I make this stop? Yeah. Without being like, maybe looked at worse if you were a tattletale. Yes. And even, and this, this ended up being a theme in my life for many years afterward. You like me and you're treating me like shit. Ah, okay. Okay. So So there's a theme. We want to come back to that theme later. Well, it's going to show up (laughs) a lot (laughs) throughout my life. It was very important for people to like me, but I guess I had to, I felt like I needed to, I needed them to like me. I needed to do, I needed to figure out what would make them like me and do that. Be someone you're not. Because otherwise there would be, yeah, otherwise there would be repercussions. And you can't, first of all, not everybody's going to like you. But as a kid, you don't know that or you don't want to hear that. And number two, you can't predict someone else's behavior. You can't manage someone else's behavior. So you were, so you were learning that you needed to fit in and you needed to be a certain way to fit in. Yeah. At a young age, it sounds like. And then when you tell me you like me, but you're still you're treating me like crap. How does that compute? And I think that's when I say confusion. I'm like, wait, I'm trying to do everything I can to have people like me. And this guy says he likes me and he's, you know, being mean to me. Hurting you. Thank you for being vulnerable with that. So you were going to take us to the second. Oh yeah. So I was friends with these four girls in my class, same school. And I think it started around seventh grade, but one of them would decide it was always the same one. Her name's Shannon. She would decide she was mad at me one day. So I would come into school and she would have told the other three. So there were four of them. I'm mad at Kara. We're not talking to her. Oh my. So I'd come into school and I'd get the cold shoulder from all four of them. And I had no idea what I did. No clue. No one told me what I did wrong. So here I am again, trying to fit in, trying to, you know, have people like me not do anything wrong, you know, or, or say anything bad or whatever, do any, you know, trying to follow some rules I've made up in my head that I think are the right rules so that people will accept me and like me. And I failed. Clearly there's something wrong with me that they don't, you know, they don't like me. There's something inherently wrong. So I'd get the cold shoulder from the four of them not know what I did wrong. Like nobody said, Hey, Kara, you, you looked at somebody the wrong way. Not that that's even the right answer, but, and then one day it would just blow over and they'd be talking to me again. I mean, talk about confusion. So I just internalized all of that. And that it had to be, there had to be something wrong with me because they would periodically get, you know, get mad at me. And then, and then I don't know why they would start talking to me again, but I was so grateful. I didn't want to rehash what happened and ask them about it. So I just was like thrilled to be back in their little group. So I just accepted it and moved on and just kept, you know, my fingers crossed that it wouldn't happen again, but it did. The thing that we know that happens with most of us as we're growing up is we're constantly trying to fit in, right? We're constantly trying how to figure out how to be long, how to be loved. And so you are learning that at a very young age. I'm curious, how would you handle that situation now? You've got a group of friends and um, you're 50 years old, almost 51. 
whatever, you're in your 50s. And now someone's like, oh, well, the four of us aren't talking to Kara because we don't even care why she brought tuna fish for dinner. And we're not going <laughs> to, we don't like tuna fish. So we're not going to talk to her. How, how would you handle something like that now? I would probably ask one of them, hey, can you, is there something wrong? Like, did I do something to upset you? And if they didn't want to answer my question or if they said, oh no, everything's fine. You know what? I give people the opportunity to tell me if I offended them or did something wrong. And, you know, and I would certainly apologize if I offended somebody, if I didn't mean to offend them. (laughs) But uh, other than that, if I've given you the opportunity to to speak your case and you're not telling me there's nothing I can do. So I'll just move on. Like, yep. When I see you, I'll be kind to you and say hello. Even if you don't say hello back and then I'll go about my business. And, um, you know, I've got plenty of other friends. And how do you think you got to that place? How do you think you were able to get to that place? (laughs) Therapy, (laughs) therapy and more therapy and group therapy. (laughs) <laughs> a women's group, which was wonderful. Women's group therapy was fantastic because I found myself later in life. Well, throughout my life, I, I felt like I w- it was easier to be friends with guys than with women because women were a lot more complex with their feelings. This was what I experienced. Women were a lot more complex and didn't always say what they meant or felt. Mm. But And I was one of those people. Sure. But guys, guys did. And guys would be like, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I do like that or or whatever it was. And they also would just, they wouldn't necessarily hold grudges. They'd be like, yeah, they'd get over it. So it was easier to be friends with them, but it wasn't, but I wasn't getting what I needed from those friendships because they weren't deep friendships because with the layers of complexity with women, we also share a lot more as far as feelings and whatever else. So going to a group, going through group therapy with women was fabulous for me because it really taught me how to relate to women and change my behavior as a woman and not, and really say what I meant instead of, um, you know, cause what I learned from, from what Shannon and the girls would do that, you know, what, when I would get mad at somebody, I too would just shut down and not talk to them right. because that's what I felt was the norm. Cause that's what I learned. Whereas you really need to, when someone upsets you, you really need to try and talk to them and say, Hey, you really hurt my feelings. Now they may not care or, or they may be like, Oh, Oh, shut up. That shouldn't have hurt you. And then you can decide what to do after that. But at least, you know, telling somebody, Hey, this hurt my feelings and giving them the opportunity to apologize or change the way that, you know, they communicate with you is a better option. Yeah. And if they won't do it, then you can, you know, decide to have them in your life or not. But yeah. So that's, yeah, it was therapy. I didn't just figure this out on my own. I wasn't smart enough for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it tells me and the listeners, though, that obviously, you know, Lewis and Shannon and the girls had a huge impact on how you were going to live your life and and, and you wound up seeking help, which is awesome. A lot of people don't. But it there must have been more to the story for us to hear. Like it didn't stop there because I'm going to imagine you didn't start women's group therapy when you were still in school. No, it probably happened years later. So, do you mind telling us the depth of the impact that that this bullying that started when you were a kid had in your you know later years? So okay, so I 
spent my high school career and even in college, like, you know, I did well as a student, but I, as personally and socially, I really wanted people to, I want to be, wanted to be accepted and liked. And that was like the running theme. So I, um, I was constantly trying to do things. I'd go with the flow. I would do things that I thought other people would, you know, think was funny or would be acceptable. Or, you know, if you had asked me at any point during those years, Hey, Kara, what do you want to do? Or what do you like? It would always be something that I thought other people would like because I wanted them to accept me. And I remember sitting years later in therapy and my therapist saying, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, well, you're telling me how everybody else feels. Like, how do you feel? And it was, it never occurred to me that, you know, I could have my own feeling about something that could be independent wow. of what, how somebody else felt. So I was constantly people pleasing. So, so your feelings were insignificant almost to you. Yeah. Everyone else's were more important. Yes. Yeah, because I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to please other people. So that got me into a very possessive relationship in later in high school that went on for a year or so in college with a boyfriend who was very controlling. But, you know, he loved me and that's what I wanted. It was accept, you know, being accepted. Sure. At the deepest level. Yeah. And and I knew I but I knew for in, at some point or some part of me knew that this wasn't right because he, he was also isolating me from people. And I didn't like that. And that didn't feel like me who I was because I was very social anyway. And we ended up breaking up. I actually, I broke up with him, but still on the people pleasing track. And I remember at one point, I think I was a sophomore or junior in college. I think it was junior in college. I really contemplated suicide. Wow, Kara. Because I, I was so exhausted, Patty, from trying to please other people. Got it. I felt so alone. Like no matter what I did, I couldn't please everybody in my life. And and this was also, you know, they call it ghosting now, but dating someone and then have them, you know, break up with you over the, over the phone, not a text because we didn't have that, but, <laughs> right. but not doing it, you know, breaking up with you and then having them just, or having them just not show up into your life anymore and having people ghost you like that was that I took that personally. Like, right. what did I do to, right. To push you away. Like how bad am I for pushing, pushing you away and realizing much later that sometimes it's not me. I mean, it's, it's that person, right? If they have their own issues and it may have nothing to do with me or just because someone doesn't want to date me anymore, doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but it certainly felt like it. Awful. I mean, to, to get to the depths of contemplating taking your own life is the ultimate in shame. You have, you have told the story that you are a bad person long and hard enough that you believe you're a bad person and that you and everyone else would be better off without you if you yeah. were dead. That is like the depths of the sewer. Like, I felt like I just can't get this right. Like, I just don't understand. I felt so alone. Like, why can't I keep a guy or why can't I keep my friends, why, you know, why would this person turn on me? And how come so-and-so was talking about me behind my back? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like I put all the pressure on me. I can't imagine being a teenager now with all of the pressure that social media 
puts on or how easy it is for people to bully other people. And on a huger platform than just in a classroom. I mean, you can, you can really shame people now in an awful way and bully people in an awful way now. And as a result, the suicide, teenage suicide rate has gone up and it's awful. Well, I just want to say, Kara, I'm so glad to, you know, the, the listeners can't see you like I can, but I'm so glad to see a vibrant, happy, beautiful, excelling in her life woman across from me through that screen because you have impacted so many people's lives in a positive way that, um, you know, had you gone through with that thought, the world would have missed out. And you are now in a place where you know you're worthy and you know your worth to yourself and others. And I'm just super grateful to have you as a podcast partner and a friend. Thank you, Patty. You know, it's interesting that, you know, I, I contemplated it. I thought about taking a bunch of pills. Like when I say pills, I had access to Advil. I don't know. <laughs> and I laughed. It would have worked. I, it would have worked, well, I'm sure. Well, I don't, I have no idea. All I thought was if I could just take a bottle of this stuff and fall asleep, mm. then I never have to worry about another thing. Like it'll, it'll be done. And I mean, mm. I felt like it would be that easy and it would put me on my misery. Why I didn't do it. I don't know. Oh, I'm getting choked up. It's okay. So it happens. So I was probably around ni- 19 or 20. And a couple of years later, so a couple of years later, I was on a girl's weekend. Actually, it was a bachelorette weekend for my cousin who was going to get married. And I decided to get a tattoo. So I have a tattoo on my left hip of a shooting star. And that is to remind me whenever things seem really bad, it's not that bad. That's awesome. They're going to get better. They're going to get better. So for me, that shooting star is just my beacon of hope that you've got, you've got plans, girl, and you've got places to go and don't give up. That's right. Never give up, Kara. That's life is not always easy, but it's definitely worth it if you're in the right headspace of choosing happiness and joy. And um, that's a choice we have. And thank goodness you, you, you know, have that in your heart. Doesn't mean life is going to be easy and there aren't going to be struggles. It just means that we are always okay and we're not perfect and we're not supposed to be. Agreed. And um, yeah. I would like to say one more thing. You know, I think back on it and I really had a great upbringing. I had wonderful parents. They're still wonderful. I never thought to talk to them about any of this. And I, I think about now when you hear about teenagers committing suicide and stuff, and, and I'm sure the parents feel guilty because they feel like they should have known or whatever. I don't know. I don't think my parents ever thought this about me or, or suspected anything. And I just, I think that I thought they're reaching out to them that they wouldn't understand. Like, oh, they're adults. And, you know, what kind of problems could they possibly have? <laughs> it sounds kind of ridiculous now that I'm an adult, but I'm sure if I had said something to my parents, they probably would have gotten me some help you know, just offered some comfort, but it never occurred to me. I just, I really felt so alone. Like nobody would understand what I was going. Yeah. You know, the worst feeling in the world when you feel like you're all alone, I call it the rabbit hole. Like you, you're all alone in this big, deep hole. It's really dark and there's nowhere to turn. There's no, you can't think of anyone who's going to understand your situation anyone who's going to get it, anyone who's going to, you know, of course, you're just going to say, oh, come on, snap out of it. And you're like, but you don't understand. Yeah. You just, yeah, it's a dark place. 
place, Kara. And as we talk about on this podcast all the time, yes, you're going to go in dark places in your life and you have a choice of how long you're going to stay there or if you're going to stay there at all, or if you're going to recognize, oh my God, that looks like the rabbit hole. I've seen it before. I need to stay far away from it or I'm going to fall right in it. And so what do you do now if you feel those feelings of sadness or depression coming over you, or you feel, maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't belong in this group. That That's a super important group for you. You know, maybe it's your your best friend group for the past 20 years. And maybe that hasn't happened to you, but how would you handle that now if it did happen to you? Now that you're on the other side of knowing what true clinical depression when you feel like you're not worthy to even be alive. I think if I ever got that low again, I would definitely know the people and have the resources to reach out to. And I wouldn't have any problem reaching out to probably a select group of friends and or contacting my therapist again, who I haven't seen in a couple of years, but as long as she's still practicing, I have her number and she, she knows my history, which is fantastic if I need it. So I would have no problem reaching out to somebody for assistance. That's for, that's for sure. You know, many people see that as a weakness, right? Like I should be able to figure this out on my own, but really I feel like that's such a strength to know what your weaknesses are and how to improve them or have someone help you with them and help you through them. So, yeah. And I, I think the weakness is knowing you need help and not asking for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, I'm just, I just can't function like that anymore. Yeah. Because it it doesn't work. (laughs) You know, I think it's a real problem today that people kids especially get bullied and it's worse than ever. If you're not beautiful and you're not perfect and you're not skinny and you're not fashionable in the United States here and um, you're a female, then, then you just got no chance at it. And I hope that the adults that listen to us and, and have children will understand that teaching your kids that they are perfectly imperfect and there is nothing to be perfect about and you're going to screw up and life is going to be hard, but you have a choice of being happy and joyful and to work on being vulnerable and open and communicating to those that, that might hurt us or rub us the wrong way in a respectful way, rather than retaliating with the same kind of behavior that you've had, because we've both done that. You've shared that with me mm-hmm. and boy, I see it in myself. Like I'm like, Ooh, Patty, you don't like being judged, but there you go judging or Ooh, Patty, you don't like being you know, harshly talk to you, but in your head, you're harshly talking about you and others. So it's an awareness. And I I love what we do because I hope that we're just helping people be aware of something different. Agreed. I want to ask you something to wrap it up. Okay. Is that okay? Yes, please. So Kara, one of the common questions we ask our guests that come on our podcast is, what would you tell your self that was being bullied by Lewis and Shannon. Now I'm getting choked up again. That's good. I know. I really would really love to give her a hug because I know how lonely she feels. And, oh, I don't want her to hurt like that. Tell her that now, Kara. Tell her. That little girl, little Kara, little Kara that used to wear curlers at 
at night. <laughs> those pink ones, right? I used to yeah, wear those. pink ones. <laughs> so she could have curly hair in the morning and brush it out. It's so cute. No, I I love her. I would just tell her that I would just tell her that it's gonna be okay. And that she really needs to focus on see it's hard because I don't know if I would have listened to this when I was that age, but she really needs to focus on her and what she wants. You know, what makes what does she like to do? What does she want to spend time on? And just because someone doesn't like you doesn't mean you're a bad person. Mm, those are powerful words. Yeah, she needs to hear that and get a big old hug and just let her know that her, her big sister's taking care of her. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Kara, thank you so much for being so brave today and, it, you know, being vulnerable with yourself and with us. And I know this is going to help so many people. I really appreciate you and love you. Thank you, Patty. I love you too. And this was, this is, this is great. This is just another, you know, I believe in what we do. And I hope that, you know, just like every one of the people we've interviewed so far says, I really hope that, you know, someone hears this and it makes a difference. So that's what I'm hoping. Thank you. You're welcome. And you are a badass. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) A courageous badass. I love it. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Kara and Patty. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say. This is a re re d thought we'd be laughing about bullying. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com.